Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You may wish to adjust the dial. You are currently tuned into the wrong station. I haven't been back in a very long time, but I spent a lot of my childhood in the village of Trevenhead. It's by the sea, nestled into the mountains, and it's supposed to have been there forever. There's a Neolithic site just down by the coast, with the remains of little fishing skiffs just like the ones they still use today. Everyone in the town seems to be a Prouse, Rosslyn, or Trevithick, and they were a hundred years ago, and five hundred years before that. And if you went all the way back to the last ice age, when the glaciers crept back over the mountains, leaving little patch of soil where Trevin Head now stands, I'm sure you'd have found Rosslands, Trevithicks, and Prowesses with their stone spears and loincloths and newly domesticated dogs. The same handful of families in the same place for 7,000 years. It's a heavy weight of tradition. My mother was born in Trevenhead, and always slipped back into the accent when she arrived home. My, my sister and I, with our foreign accents and city clothes and different colored skin, were always outsiders. Trevin's grown-ups were surly with us. Its kids hounded us. While Mom caught up with her cousins and my sister, I spent most of our summers alone in the foggy hills above town, or swimming down by the coast from the sandy beaches, owned by the local kids. But we didn't mind. My sister loved the hills, especially. She always hoped we'd meet one of the Creven. What are the Creven? Well, it's hard to describe. Every one of these isolated towns has their old tradition, left over from pre-Christian times, you know, like, like 
the Greenwich, the skeleton horse Marylude, the apple tree man, the Crevin or Trevenhead's equivalent, a sort of mountain spirit living in perpetual fogs that cling to the hilltop along the coast. They're neutral. Not something to scare your children with, but they aren't going to fix your shoes if you leave out a bowl of cream, either. Tradition has it they come out over the mountains once a year at Golowin night, in midsummer, to visit the town. And they walk the streets, see what's changed. And then they take one thing back with them. It could be anything. A shoelace, a clock, a loaf of bread. There's a local drinking song about the year that Crevin took a bottle of whiskey. It's not seen as theft. You know, it's sort of tribute. Tradition holds that Trevin Head is built on Crevin's land. And they have every right to borrow something now and again. And the tradition is old. Like, the Crevin go way back. At the Neolithic site, archaeologists found a statuette later displayed under the name Unidentified Statue. But everyone who lives in Trevin Head will tell you it's a statue of a Crevin. My sister loves stories about the Crevin. <laughs> yeah, she, she loved the thought of strange creatures with alien thoughts and lives just over the next hill. Every summer, from the time I was nine and she was six, she would make me take her Crevin hunting over the town. Usually, it turned into a day-long hike with a picnic overlooking Pelinar Bay. That was until the summer I turned twelve. I should say, as much as my sister loved the Crevin tradition, I hated it. You see, the Crevin were more than just folk stories. They were also characters in the Gollowin Night Festival. Each summer, the townsfolk would build a bonfire down by the pier and stay around it all night, eating and drinking and dancing. And the girls and young women would spend the afternoon weaving wicker dolls and the boys and young men would dress up as the Crevin. All evening they would roam the town, making loud noises and causing mischief, and at midnight they would come to the fire and take one of the offered dolls and leave. Which you know, all sounds well and good, but for me it became an annual nightmare. You see, as an outsider, I was not allowed to join the Crevin. Every year, I became the only boy in town, while the others shed their humanity and roamed as mountain spirits. <laughs> you know, isolation would have been one thing, but I uh, had an enemy in the town, Owen Chegweth. He was three years older than me, and twice my size, and he had tormented me from the moment I first visited Trevenhead. He had ascended into the ranks of the Creven when I turned eight, and... After that, the spirits became more than an alien presence in the town. They became my predators. That first year had been the worst. I feel my hands. I still get clammy thinking about it. The town was full of shadows. Thrusts of stone blocked Trevenhead from both the sunrise and the sunset. So even on the longest day of the year, the town has long twilights. I was walking home from a day in the hills. My sister had been sick, so I was alone. I had forgotten it was Galwin night, so it came as a surprise when I returned to Trevenhead and found it empty. Every window dark, every street quiet. 
The whole town had been left to the creven. A streak of smoke purpled the sky over the harbor. Everyone was already at the bonfire. Except... A footstep rasped behind me. I turned. I can uh, I still feel my heart shudder. One of the crevins stood right behind me, silhouetted against a scrap of sky. <laughs> Maybe now I should describe how the crevins look. Uh, they are covered in long, thick hair. When the wind blows, the crevins seem to flow into it. Their costumes have no faces. The, the eye slots are hidden deep in the fur. So you can feel yourself being watched, but not know how. The heads of the creven rise, almost phallic, several feet above their sloping shoulders. A person dressed as a creven is nearly nine feet tall. I cried out, <clears throat> falling back. The square filled with muffled laughter as three more crevins stepped from the shadows between the buildings. One of them told me that I would be the thing the creven stole that year, and I recognized Owen Chegwith's voice. I ran. Even though they were clumsy in their costumes, there were a dozen of them, and they knew Trevenhead as though they had lived there for 7,000 years. I turned down the blind alley off Penhollow Street, but they knew about the shortcut over Rosslyn's garage, and one of them was waiting to tackle me as I jumped down into St. Piran Street. He sat on me until the others arrived. Laughing, they dragged me uphill, bawling out the song about the Creven's bottle of whiskey. I wish I could tell you the words but they were in the old dialect. Nobody wanted to teach their precious words to an outsider. At the edge of a cliff, with the sunlit sea crashing hundreds of meters below, one of the creven removed their enormous head, and I found myself staring into Owen Chegwith's grinning red face. Have you ever wondered what the creven do with the things that they take? He said. I said nothing. I looked away. I don't want to give him the satisfaction. Chegwith's grin spread even wider, and the two Crevins standing next to me seized me by the arms. And they said, Throw him into the sea! I screamed for help, and tried to break loose, but it was too late. The Creven on either side heaved, and I was flung into the open air. For a heartbeat, I, I thought I was dead. Then I crashed into cold water and emerged, gasping to the sounds of roaring laughter. The cliff had been a false ledge. I had fallen about six feet into a pool overlooking the bay. Still laughing as I dragged myself out of the chattering water, the boys put their heads back on. Happy Goldwind Night, Outsider, shouted Owen as I coughed up water. Watch out for the real thing, eh? So, you can imagine, after four years of that, I liked the idea of Crevin a lot less than my sister did. But every summer, she took me Crevin hunting. And the year that I turned 12. It was evening, Galloway night. The setting sun was a red edge around the mountain's black jags. White stars already pierced the purpling sky, though a gold light still shot green through the sea below. My sister and I were on our way back down to Trevon Head. I'd kept us in the hill as late as I could. I heard that morning in the village that Owen was looking for me. Owen had changed in the year before. He'd shaved his head and lost weight and put on stringy, tendon-like muscle. He had new scars and a nose that had broken and healed wrong. His movements now had a sudden, unpredictable quality. I really, really didn't want to meet him. 
We stopped to sit on a crag and watch distant waves crease the sea with white. Oh well, my sister said. Another year with no Crevin. Maybe next year, I said. It was what I said every year. She looked back uphill and straightened. Maybe I spoke too soon. She pointed. I looked up. Dark against the darkening slopes, a group of figures waited. Owen, I said. He must have known we'd come back this way. Come on. I grabbed her hand, and she shook me loose. Scaredy cat, she said. When are you going to stand up to them? It's easy for you to say. They won't beat you up. You're a girl. I've got my own problems taken care of, she said. Just ask Nora Prouse's black eye. Further up the slope, the Crevin had begun drifting down towards us, silent in the thick grass. With evening, a thin fog had begun to follow them downhill. I stood up. Are you having fun, Owen? The Crevin stopped. I felt their invisible gaze settle over me. What are you going to do? Huh? Throw me in the water again? Real, really creative. Owen, well done. The Crevin said nothing. No low chuckles crossed the distance between us. Only the chill mountain wind sweeping down through the hair and the grass. They started towards us again. I felt my sister's hand in mine. Come on, let's get to the bonfire, she said. Mom's there. They won't bother us with the grown-ups around. Now who's the scaredy cat? I said. But the sun had crept below the horizon. The mountain's face had gone black, and fog tendrils slithered downhill towards us. My heart was thudding. Rumors said Owen Chegweth dealt drugs at his school in Nungavas, and had taken three months in juvenile that spring for carving his initials into a kid. I realized maybe this wasn't a game for them anymore, just like it had never been for me. I ran, pulling my sister behind me. The Crevin had stopped again, but I felt their stare follow us down the slope. The wind picked up as we flung ourselves down towards the distant spark of the bonfire. I realized we hadn't left them behind. Now on the left, now on the right, dozens of tall forms loomed, nearly invisible against the dark slopes and darkening skies. They swiveled, featureless heads to watch as we went. The hair stood on the back of my neck. Were these all friends of Owen's? The way back to town was blocked by an outthrust arm of fog, and dark figures lowered through it. I turned and took us down the side road toward John Trevithick's farm. I heard a voice in the fog, calling my name. My blood ran cold. It was Owen Chegworth. Come on out, he shouted. Come on out or your sister's the first one. We jumped the stone fence, and I shoved my sister through the open side door of Trevor Thick's barn. Stay here, I whispered. Stay quiet. I'll come back with some more people and get you. Not a chance, she hissed. They're trying to hurt you. But I took her by the shoulders and she fell quiet when she saw the look on my face through the dim light. I think she realized then what kind of danger we were in. Do it for me, okay? I said. The thing that would hurt me the most would be if something happened to you. She fell quiet. Her eyes were very, very wide. She nodded. Please be careful, she said. I promise. I'll be back real soon. Hide. Stay put. I closed the door on her and sprinted through Trevithick's farm. There was a sloping path that led down by the cliff on the other side. But if I knew it, then Owen Chegworth was born knowing it. I reached the top of the slope when something exploded out of the fog and clobbered me in the side of the head. 
The world spun loose as I rolled downhill and crashed into a tree stump. The air left me. I tasted blood. I wheezed, trying to catch my breath, and almost fell backwards as I saw Owen swaggering downhill. He was carrying a flick knife as though it was the most normal thing in the world to have at hand. Even in the gloom and the fog, I could tell there was something off about him. His eyes shone dark, with his pupils spread almost to the edge of his irises. His breath came in strange puffs and staggers, as if he was having to remember how to breathe. He was bright with sweat, even though the fog was bone-chilling. Hey, outsider, he said, and before I could catch my breath enough to speak, he had kicked me downhill again. I hit my head against a rock. Everything went white. I came to a stop at the lip of the cliff. I looked down, and my head swam. A hundred feet below, black swells chewed at the rock, flinging up strings of white saliva. I tried to push myself up. My hands slipped on the damp grass. I almost fell in. Strong hands dragged me up and then shoved me forward. Owen's breath smelled like burning plastic as he stared into my face and held me over the cliff. Fog poured over the precipice like dry ice over the edge of a stage. The crashes of waves and rocks made my ears ring. Well, what do you think? said Owen. No fake ledge here. What do you say we do this for real this time? The fist that held me up trembled slightly, but not from weakness, but alchemical strength. You won't do this, I said. You won't kill me. Trying to be brave, he said, pretending to drop me, so I screamed, and then catching me at the last second. What do you know? They'd find you. You'd go to prison for the rest of your life. You think I'm scared of that? He said, you don't know anything. Besides, who's going to tell? Your sister, who you've got hiding in Trevithick's farm? Maybe she'll go too. Why are you doing this? I howled. I'll never forget what he said next. His head tilted to the side. He looked confused. Why? He said. He smelled like spilled liquor and burnt plastic. Because you deserve it. I stared at him. I realized then that it was all pointless. He couldn't be reasoned with. He had his own world where he was right, and any attempt to break him out of it would have been seen as an incursion, proving what he thought all along. I went limp. And then I felt something. A gaze. The fog was thick around us. I realized we were not alone. All about like standing stones, the crevins stood around us. Owen followed my gaze and started when he saw them, standing only an arm's length away. Jesus, he said. You scared the shit out of me. Who do you all think you're trying to scare? The crevins said nothing. Jack Trevelin, I know it's you. Stop playing around. The crevin took a step back and beckoned. You're trying to get me to leave him alone, said Owen, just because you're all too scared to do something about him. The other Crevin all took a step back and beckoned as one. Owen's grip on me loosened. What? he said. What is it? Is there something I need to come see? They took another step back, their breeze-blown forms blending into the fog. They beckoned a third time, and Owen threw me down. Where do you think you're going? he shouted. 
You're just gonna leave me here with him? They turned into the fog, going uphill. Owen looked down at me, showing vicious teeth. He kicked me in the side. I'll be back for you, he said. And then he turned and leaped into the fog, following the figures up the hill. Wait, I heard him shouting. I'm coming with you. And I was left all alone with the sea crashing below me and the thinning fog. My sister and I made it down to the bonfire just before midnight, and my mother pulled me aside. Have you seen Owen Chegwith? She said. Nobody's seen him all night, and his mother's beginning to worry. Yeah, I just saw him an hour ago, I said. He was heading up into the hills with Drag Trevelin. A shadow passed over her face. She gestured across the fire to a boy dressed as a creven, whose headdress sat on the bench next to him. Darling, she said. Jack Trevlin's been sitting right there all night. That was the last time I went to Trevenhead. Although there was never any evidence, the whole town believed that I was the one responsible for Owen's disappearance. I had the motive, the opportunity. As for the means, the common theory was that I managed to get him over the cliff, and his body had been destroyed amongst the waves and the rocks. Well, it was a plausible story. More plausible than mine, which is why I never told it to anyone, except for you and my sister. <laughs> my sister's still jealous that I got to see the Creven. I tell her not to be because Owen Chegwith saw them too, and I uh, doubt he ever saw anything again. I said the whole town blamed me, but that's not quite true. An old man pulled me aside as we were about to board our train back to the city. John Trevithick the old farmer whose land we crossed on the edge of the hills. Nothing to worry about, son, he said, staring at me. His gray, cataracted eyes were the color of fog. We've been living on the Crevens' land since longer than men can remember. It's only fair that they take something now and again. He clapped his hand on my shoulder and turned away humming to himself. I recognized the tune. An old drinking song about the year the Creven took a bottle of whiskey. The Wrong Station is made possible by the generous support of our listeners on Patreon. Consider visiting today at patreon.com slash thewrongstation. You can also support us by leaving a rating and review on iTunes, or wherever it is that you listen to The Wrong Station. This week's episode, Trevin Head, was written by Alexander Saxton and performed by Jonathan Shabu. The Wrong Station is co-produced by Alexander Saxton, Anthony Botello, and Jacob Duarte Spiel with music composed and performed on the piano by Ilan Citrin and arranged for the viola and performed by Ilana Schmid. You can subscribe to The Wrong Station on iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, and any other of your favorite podcast services. You can follow The Wrong Station on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and email us at therongstation at gmail.com. You can also follow The Wrong Station creative team on Twitter at AEW Saxton, AJV Botello, and Jacob BRDS. And until next time, thank you for listening.